Good morning. Ah, that's more like Teen Chapel. Moses, please lower the volume for now. I was um, invited to speak at an ICGC church some time ago, about uh, two, three weeks ago, and that was the first time I preached during this COVID season. And the people were like, hey, they were just looking at me through their mouths and I asked them, is this Teen Chapel or is it the adult church? Okay. So, let me feel that I am in Calvary Temple, Teen Chapel. Do we know how to shout unto the Lord? It is because he has given us a victory. In spite of whatever we go through, he is still Lord. He is our God and is the one who has declared that this year shall be a year of fruitfulness. I don't know how your week has been like. Man has been a tough one. But it does not matter. These do not change God. But the Bible says that let a shout unto the Lord with a shout of triumph because it's a triumphant God. He shall give us triumph from day by day, week after week, month after week because he's a triumphant God. Your end shall be well. You shall live triumphantly. You shall live like a Christian by the blood of Jesus Christ, walking from victory to victory. Come on, give the Lord a shout! This week I've been thinking about a lot of things and I want us to spend about uh, three, four, five minutes to pray. Can you take it from the beginning, please? And I've been looking at, you know, two years ago, we started looking at, uh, is it two years or one and a half years, whatever, before COVID came, we were looking at discipleship. And I've been thinking this week a lot about what it means to be a disciple. And I can tell you, being a disciple is not easy. It's, it's, not, it's not easy. I can tell you it's not easy. But it can be made lighter if you pay attention to the things that we are telling you to just spend time with Jesus. You understand better as we go along. Shall we all rise up as we enter into a short time of prayer? If you don't know what to pray, just pray in tongues. Lord, I want to walk with you all the days of my life. I don't even understand what it means to walk with you. But my prayer, my heart's desire is that I want to walk with you. I want to feel you by my side. I want to know that you are always there. I want to know that your power is with me. I want to feel the power in the blood of Jesus. I want to know the truth of your word. I want to feel your love all around me all the days of my life. When I'm doing well in school or not doing well in school, whether times are bad or times are good, I want to walk with you. Open your mouth and speak in tongues. It's a difficult prayer to pray if it's not in your heart. But that should be our heart's desire. And so that's to cry out, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to stay close to you. I don't want you to feel like I'm far away from you. I want to feel your love always around me. You have promised me that you will never leave me or forsake me. But I want to feel you. I want to know that you are there. I want to hear your footsteps. I want to feel you hold my hand in your hands and give me the assurance that you are there. You will never leave 
or forsake me. You have said, when I walk through the water, that I shall not draw you be there with me. Even when I go through fire, the fire will not bend me. Oh Lord God, I yearn for a close walk with you all the days of my life. Materials say kapa a, labrazo ze patirien derevesika do ze padaha, alipra kute seketerien de zipra duzandali andesaya. For some of us, it's been a long time that we prayed in tongues. It's okay. This morning, I want you to open up your heart to God. We're talking about going back to our first love, the love that we have thrown off. We have forgotten about Jesus because of COVID. We have forgotten that there was anything called the love of Jesus. But this morning, we are coming back in repentance. Lord, we are changing our mind and we say that we want you to be our love. We want you to be our everything. We want to love you with all our heart. We want to love you passionately from the depths of our heart. We want to love you. We want to stay close to you. Oh God, help us. Hold our hands. Lead us along the path. Alambrando zeperebe kentesi katur apadiende zerevrikeri emberos lebrando zapandi analabashada nala na makolebele rateri ende sandali amara mama kapari andezi andos adi katari andeleve shike derebreka duza pranda lala ba aina kantu sete ipandura apadiende zevreke diriendo zarama rapataya alipra kunde aisekeperindo saha. Heavenly Father, we don't understand fully what it meant when you called us to yourself. But you have called us that you transform us and send us back into the world to be a witness for you and to make disciples of all nations. And as we do so, you promise that you bless us, you honor us even as we honor you. Teach us to take these steps of faith with you, knowing that your promise to us will not fail. Teach us and continue to teach us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Last week we wanted to look at this scripture, then I got confused, but the confusion was fine. Luke chapter 4. Reading from verse 1. This chapter is the introduction of the ministry of Jesus Christ as recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Um, the earlier chapters talk about his childhood life and um, not too much is written or known about Jesus growing up. But when the time came for him to begin his ministry, the 
Bible says that God led him to fast for 40 days after which he was hungry and tired after he had been uh, baptized in water by John the Baptist. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Jesus had been baptized in water. The Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And, and, and the, the, the people heard a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son, hear him. Then he was led into the desert to fast and to spend time with God to prepare him for the ministry that was ahead. And the Bible says that during that period, the devil also tempted him. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when he, yeah, they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone, these stones to turn into bread. But Jesus said, saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of, the, of God. Then the devil taking him up into the mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for they have been delivered to me, I will give it to whoever I wish. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, for it is written, you shall worship only the Lord your God. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him upon the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended the te every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. It's interesting. The Bible says that Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. The fact that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the fact that you are filled with the power of God, doesn't mean that you are immune from temptation. Every one of us, no matter who you are, when they are standing strong on your weak, we will go through temptation. The devil is out to get at you to make sure that you worship him and not worship God. So he will tempt us. We are, no one is exempt. And after the devil had tried all he could, the Bible says that when he had ended every temptation, I don't know what your version says. That's not my focus for today. But he had tried all kinds of temptations. Three are recorded for us. He tried all of them and none of them worked. It didn't work because Jesus was filled with the word of God and at every temptation, he quoted the word of God back to the devil. And the devil would try another trick, he would quote the word back to him. We know these stories, but this morning, I want us to look at it from a different perspective. Then the Bible says that when he had tried all his tricks and none of them worked, he left him for an opportune time. It means that he hadn't given up. The devil will surely come again. And when you overcome one temptation, when you are victorious, it doesn't mean that for the rest of your life you are going to live victoriously. The temptations will keep coming back. The Bible says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the region. He taught in the synagogues, being glorified by all. 
He was full of power. He had overcome the devil's temptations. He was, went about teaching, doing good, doing all kinds of miracles, healing people, and people were speaking good of him all over the place. It was, it was spread abroad, all the good things that he was doing. But the fact that you go about doing nice things for people, that doesn't mean that everybody will like you. So friends, as we charge up to take up this mantle of discipleship again, take up the mantle of telling others about Jesus Christ as a lifestyle. Look, you will do good to people, but don't expect everybody to like you. Some people will not like you just because of the good things that you are doing for God. Remember that all the time. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood to read. And it was handed in the book of the prophet Azar. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to preach, heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant. And then he sat down. And all the eyes of those who were in the synagogue were, were fixed on him. And then he began to say, today this scripture is fulfilled in your, in your hearing. And all who bore witness marveled at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. He spoke with power and authority. And everybody acknowledged it. What? We haven't seen or heard this kind of stuff before. Everybody was amazed. Yet... The Bible says, and then some said, is this not Joseph's son? Listen, when you begin to preach to your friends, when you begin to speak in your community about Jesus Christ, don't be surprised when people begin to look at you. Ah, of course. But you too, when did you come? Is this not the girl who has been chopping last in class all the time? She cannot even handle her mouth and she's come to talk to us about Jesus Christ. Go and tell your Jesus to help you with your mouth. You hear stories like this. Don't expect to be accepted wherever you go with this simple message that God has given us. You will not always be, be respected, especially by those who know you. I recall as a young Christian, I was just a few months old, a Christian, I went to visit my uncle, the one who baptized me, and um, he's a catechist of the Presby Church, and then I was witnessing powerfully to him. He was, he was, he was in a sick bed, slowly going, and I witnessed him the power of God, and instead of listening to what I was saying, because I, I knew what I was saying was powerful, and he knew it too, but he looked at me, uh, and he said, ah, is this, he didn't use bijou, because he doesn't call him bijou, but is this bijou that he loved? Don't be surprised at such things. They will happen. They will happen. You will not be respected. People who have known you, people who have known you as a baby when you were born, when you were dedicated, growing up, they took you to nursery, they used to carry you at their back, you used to cry, you, you spoil your food, and then they, you beg that they'll buy a new one for you. 
all those kind of stuff. And then suddenly, you are now talking to them about Jesus. They will not respect you. Don't be surprised. And then Jesus said, you will surely say this prophet to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever you have done in Capernaum, do also in our country. Then he said, surely I say to you, no prophet is respected in his own town. You see, when sometimes people challenge you to do some things that are in the scripture, learn to listen to the voice of God. You don't always have to prove anything to them. Leave the proving to God. Ours is to be a witness. Ours is to speak. So be a witness. Speak about Jesus. Speak what you know and leave the Holy Spirit to do the rest. However they react, however they react towards you, leave that to God. Don't try to defend yourself. And that was when Jesus made this profound statement. Truly I tell you, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout the land but to none of them was Elijah sent except the widow of Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue when they heard these things they were filled with wrath. They became angry. They rose up as one man. Look, these same people that were amazed at the power of God and his word that said good things about him. When he started going to some dimensions, they got angry, rose up. No, wrath is an extreme form of anger. It was like a mob action. They rose up, threw him out, and they took him to the, 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 the pinnacle of the mountain, intending to throw him over the cliff that he would die. They wanted to kill him. But his time was not up. And the Bible says, this same angry mob, he walked through them and he went on. See, sometimes we don't understand how God saves us. Ours is not to be afraid, but to trust in his ability. I wanted to digress, but let me leave that digression. But you must be prepared for whatever God will allow you to go through. That's why I wanted to digress, but I will not go there today. You must be prepared. Even if it means death, you must be prepared to die. Did you hear me? You don't like that one, I know. But you see, if you are not afraid to lose your life, you are not ready to leave. From God's perspective, it's not that you want to die, you. You are not praying to die. If you are praying that you live, you live to a ripe old age. This morning, my quiet hour, I was reading Job chapter 5, and it talks about the fact that you go to your grave in, 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 in your gray hair. That's God's plan and desire for every one of us. But you must remember that when we live for God, when we walk with Him, when He sends us on an assignment, we must be ready for any consequences. Even if it means that you'll be killed, you must be ready, prepared to die. But God will deliver us. Those three Hebrew boys, they were not afraid to die. It's not that they wanted to die. 
He said, no, okay. Look, whatever you do, we will not bow. And you know the story, when they were throwing the fire, did they, did they, when they were throwing the fire, did they die? They did not die. God delivered them. But you must be prepared to lay down your life if God calls upon you. You see, sometimes God will just test you to see what is in your heart. You see, we read the story about Abraham and Isaac and sometimes we, we read the story as if it's some, some fairy tale. It's not a fairy tale. You know what Abraham went through when he was going up that mountain with his son? And especially when the son asked him, look, here is the fire, here is the, 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 the altar, but where is the lamb? Abraham knowing full whether his son was a lamb, but he was prepared to deliver his son. But God delivered him. So, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about these two stories. Last week, I introduced us to repentance. This morning, I want to briefly introduce us to what I call led by the word of God or ruled by the word of God. Led by the word of God. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, but, the he- but the, when the heaven was shut three years and six months and there was a great famine through the land, Elijah was sent to none other except the widow in Zarephath. We read this story in 1 Kings chapter 17. And this is the story that Jesus quoted from. 1 Kings chapter 17. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, if you are a good Bible student, and I hope that some of us are good Bible students, But this year, I'm going to force us to be Bible students. Immediately after Easter, we are going to embark on a Bible reading program. And if you are not doing it, you shall stop preaching and we shall read the Bible in church every Sunday. All that you shall have read in the week, if you don't read it, we'll read it on Sunday until it becomes a lifestyle. We're going to be having three separate programs. For those of you who take up the challenge, who plan to read through the Bible before the period of camp, within six months, we read through the entire Bible. It doesn't take much. It looks such a big challenge, doesn't it? Reading the Bible in half a year. That's not a big deal. Uncle Uso was just sharing with us about... uh, this movie, that, unfortunately, I haven't, I haven't watched it myself yet. Four hours. He watched the movie. Four hours. He said he broke into two. So let's say two hours a day. 
if you can spend two hours a day reading Bible, in less than three months, you finish reading through the whole Bible. If I am on a program now to read the Bible in half a year, and by June I'll have read through the Bible, and it's just, it, it takes me about 20 minutes a day. I'm now struggling to pull the brakes. I want to go faster, but I don't want to go beyond the program. You say that maybe because me, I'm retired. It's not because I'm retired, though. Sometimes, even the retirement, and you think I have so much time, sometimes I don't know what I'm doing with my time, and the day ends. And sometimes when I look back, and I look at the time I spend on the phone, the time I spend watching TV, but not watching TV. I mean, I'm just, it's as if I'm watching TV, but I'm not watching TV. And you know what I'm talking about, because many of you do it. It's only when it's time for exams that you remember to study seriously. But when it's not time for exam, you, you study, but you don't study that seriously. If you can study seriously that the way you spend time on your phones and on the net or whatever you, you, you do with your time with this social media, your academic grades would improve. And for your spiritual life to improve, you must know the Bible. In order to overcome the devil, you must know the scriptures. If Jesus did not know the scriptures, he would have struggled when the devil tempted him. He would not have been successful. He would not have been going, reading good stories about him. Not much is said about Elijah. Elijah just appears on the, on the scene. And he appears on the scene as a prophet. And sometimes when people appear like that, you think that they have a certain magical wand or you think that God has graced them so specially to be a prophet. Yesterday, I was sharing the facilitators about my own life. And I, I was challenging them and I want to challenge the facilitators openly before you. So that when I begin to challenge them personally, do not, do not revolt. I said that I was going to make some of them to become preachers. So get ready for people like Auntie Frida to come and preach to you. At the right time, if you are still in Teen Chapel, then. But the point I was making is that when I was a young Christian, preaching never crossed my mind. I was a very shy and a very timid person. In fact, because many people know me now as a speaker and a talker, they, they can't believe when I tell them that I'm shy. And I'm sure many of you look out to me today and say, Ah, you, you are shy. I am very shy. I am naturally a very shy person. But when I was a young Christian, like I was telling the facilitators yesterday, I like to share my testimonies. Anything God has done for me, I always want to talk about it. And now sometimes looking back, I wonder, what kind of things was I sharing that every moment me I had testimonies to share? And people didn't seem to have testimonies to share. I remember there was one time there was a special program. It was a big program at KNUST then. And they were looking for some people to give testimonies. And nobody was... They're willing to give a testimony. They weren't getting anybody. The one person remember, ah, go and ask Bijou. As soon as they came to me, they said, oh, I'll do it. I always had testimonies to share. What introduced me to preaching that made me start thinking about the possibility of preaching was I gave a testimony at an all night one time. And the man of God who led that fellowship, later after the all night, he came to him and we were chatting and said, ah, Bijou, the way you are tall and the way you stood behind the pulpit and you were sharing your testimony... I can just imagine you standing behind the pulpit and preaching. I said, huh? Me preach. Many years down the line, the story is different. There's no crowd that I cannot preach to. 
And it doesn't matter who you are. If I'm giving the opportunity, I can preach to presidents. If I'm giving opportunity, I can preach to academicians. I can preach to people who are way above me by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's because little by little, I read my scriptures, did my quiet time, did my small evangelism, organized people for revival, did those things, and with time, I became what I am today with all my flaws. It is said, Elijah came and stood out. All of a sudden, Elijah just appeared. We don't know what happened before he appeared on the scene. But when he appeared, he said, so long as God lives, he knew without any shadow of doubt in his heart that God lives. He is alive. He's powerful. He's awesome. He's majestic. And he will do what he says he will do. He says, so long as God lives. You see, all of us know that God lives. Even the devil knows God lives. All the evil spirits, they know God lives. But to know God lives and to have a personal relationship with him, that he is your God, he's your armor bearer, he's your awesome God, he's your majestic king, it takes working with him day by day, moment by moment over the years. It doesn't happen overnight. Elijah said, as long as God lives, then he made a second statement. Before whom I stand, I live in the presence of God. I walk with God. I move with God. I live in God. I do whatever I do with God. That's what I've been doing over these years. That's what Elijah said. There shall not be dew or rain except by my word. Was Elijah boasting? No. The scripture says, except by my word. Were they the words of Elijah? No. But because Elijah had walked with God for so long, he had confidence in this God who is over all, the almighty God. Because he has stayed in his presence and talked with him and moved with him and heard his voice over and over again. God told him, I'm going to send a drought for three and a half years. And possibly God might have even instructed him, go and tell the king that there shall be drought for three and a half years. That is the reason why Elijah said, there shall be no rain except I say so. And he saying so is not him, but it is the God before whom he lives and the God who has spoken and is just re-echoing God's word. You can understand this better in verse 2 when it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here and turn eastward. That tells you how Elijah had been relating with God. He had been moving at the dictates of God. He was being led by the word of God. Whatever God speaks to him, that is what he does. By the way, Elijah said there will be drought. 
There will be no rain. There will be no food. There will be famine. He himself also, you will go through the famine. God doesn't exempt us from things that we declare. God says there was going to be a famine. It doesn't mean that Elijah will not experience a famine. Elijah too experienced a famine. But then God gave him a way out. And he said, get away from here. Turn eastward and hide by the brook of Cherith, which flows by the Jordan River. Uh, I feel like I digress, but I don't want to digress because I want to finish this portion today. You, those of you who have been in chapel for some time, Okay, I started. I like talking too much. I started, so let me just finish it. Those of you who have been in chapel for some time, you heard Uncle Bethmore share with us a testimony about a very difficult uh, chemistry test that they had to go through and how he was led miraculously to do miraculously well in that test. And the, the first part of the instructions were so ridiculous. No, let me not digress too much. But you recall the story. You know how the story ended. But you see, the beginning, God gave instructions. Do this. The instructions didn't make sense. Do this. The instructions didn't make sense. Uh, talk to the people. It made a little sense, but ah, God, it's time for lectures. Why should I be talking to people on the street? When everybody's going for lectures, because you stand in the middle of the street and they talk to people. But he, he knew it was God's voice, and it was strange, but he did it. And then he, when he finally got into the exam room, that same voice spoke to him. Question one, mark this. Question two, mark this. And you, you know the end result. You see, when God, when you, we walk with God, day by day, moment by moment, and don't expect the miraculous from God overnight. It will not happen. It is a consistency of staying in his presence. Just be with him. Even when he's not speaking, just be there. And you know that he's there. Last week I was telling you about how when you're in love with somebody, you just want to be around the person. You want to hear the person's voice. You want to talk to the person. You, you want to know what is on the person's mind. You, you just love to be around the person. Even when no activity is taking place, just be around the person and you are okay. Let's have that same attitude towards God. Just en let's enjoy being in God's presence. Let's take this thing we call quiet time seriously. Learn to hear his voice. Some of you tell me, I don't know how to hear God's voice. You don't know how to hear his voice because you don't know what is in his word because you don't read it. When you begin to read God's word, you begin to hear his voice. It may be an audible voice. It may be a vision. It may come as a dream. It may come as somebody coming to advise you. It may come as a coincidence. But you gradually begin to know that this is God. So when it gets, it gets to the place where he tells you, Get up from here. You get up. Where am I going? I don't know. Then he says, turn eastward. Okay. You turn eastward. Eastward. Where is that? I've never gone this way before. Go by the, 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 the brook. Cherit. Which, which of them? The one who which flows by the Jordan River. 
and stay there. It will not make sense to you. But if you have been staying in his presence, doing your quiet time, reading your word, studying your word, you haven't even gotten there yet, meditating on the words that spring up to you, you think about it throughout the day, you obey what you read, you tell your friends about what you read, and you tell them about how good Jesus is. When he begins to speak to you through such strange means, you know that it is him, and even though you may not understand, you will follow And he said, it will be that you shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you. God, who commanded Elijah and Elijah stood before the king and said, there shall be no rain except by my word. And the word came to him and directed him where to go. God told him, you will drink from that river. And I have commanded ravens to come and feed you. I don't want to go into those details about ravens, the kind of bears they are, and how if, if it was some of us, including myself, ah, can you imagine? See, most of you were not born there, but no, okay. Why do I like digress like that? But you, you've heard about the hunger which came in Ghana in 1983. Okay? Many of you were not born there. But Charlie, food was hard to come by. We used to queue for kinky. Not kinky, raw kinky. You go and buy, you queue and buy the dough and take the dough home and then go and cook. We used to move in town just looking for coconut and looking for anything that was edible. See, some of this is when you watch them on TV, they are real low. We saw a little bit of it in Ghana. In times like this, can you imagine, try and imagine, put yourself in Ghana in 1983. Or put yourself, try and imagine, extend your mind to some of the things that you read about and watch on television. Can you imagine, you have been in Teen Chapel, you've been following us, listening to God's voice, and then gradually you are growing. And then in times like that, God tells you to go and hide by Clagon. Every morning, I have commanded a vulture to come and feed you. That's exactly the kind of thing that happened to Elijah. But he knew God's voice and he trusted God. So even though he didn't understand, even though he looked, what's the right word? I mean, filthy. A filthy animal coming to feed me. God said, I've commanded him. So he went and he did according to the word of God. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens also came. They also obeyed their word. They brought him bread and meat every morning. And meat and bread in the evening. And he drank from the brook. So every day, you bring bread and meat where were they getting the bread and meat from? I don't know. But the Bible says, they kept bringing it morning and evening, and then he drink from the river. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up. The farm was so hard that even the brook dried up because there hadn't been rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath 
which belongs to Sidon, and dwelt there. First, he gave him an instruction to go by the Jordan River, by the Cherry Brook, drink from the Jordan River, and raven, he has commanded the raven to come and feed him. And when the river dried, for some reason, maybe God, it's not written, but maybe God had commanded the raven to stop bringing the bread and meat. And then, the word of the Lord came to Elijah again and said, get up, arise, go to Zarephath. Where is Zarephath? The one in Sidon. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. As for this one, some of us, if you have heard this word, will not believe. In time of famine, why would God command a widow to feed me? You would expect that God will say something like, I have commanded a rich man who has stored up enough food and his food is not finished, he will give you food for some time. That's what some of us would expect. But God said, I have commanded the widow to provide for you. He didn't try to understand how the widow was going to do that or how it was even possible for the widow to do that. But he heard that he, God had commanded the widow so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city of a truth, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called and said to her, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. You see, what I told you earlier on that God must have told Elijah that there shall be no rain for three and a half years. God told Elijah, I have commanded this widow to provide for you. If it were me, and if I had believed God, when I get there, oh, Madam, ah, God said, Make her come. So I've come. I hear there's food here. I don't know how you got the food, but God says, You must give me food to eat. You are hungry. Is that not it? But that's not what Elijah did. The Bible says that when he got there, he called to her and said, please give me a little water. Remember, the brook had dried up and he was thirsty. He didn't even just say, give me water to drink. Give me just small, small water to drink. And as she was going to get it, he remembered now, no, I'm hungry too. So please, bring me a small morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord God lives. Take note, the same words that Elijah had used earlier on. Why did God command this widow? This widow was a woman who lived just like Elijah also lived. Just like how we are expected to live in our walk with God. Knowing that God lives, he's alive. He's real. He's the living God. He's not just the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. He's the God of the living and he's the God of the dead. He's almighty God, the, the eternal God, the unchanging God, the first and the last. The one who exists before all things and when everything has ended, he will still be, he will still be there. 
He said, look, I don't have bread. If it were you, or if it were me at this stage, what would you have done? God says, go to this woman. I've commanded her to feed you. And then he goes, the first thing he asks is, give me a little water. And then when she was about to go for the water, I said, no, no, ask some small bread. What would have come into your mind? Or maybe you haven't even thought about it. If it were me, ah, I didn't hear God right. The woman doesn't have food. God, how can this woman feed me? Common bread she cannot give me. How can she take care of me? I don't have bread. I only have a handful of flour in a bin and a little, little, little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering this couple of sticks that I may go in, prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I see this as a paradox. Physically, she had her last meal she was looking at. And according to her, she was going to prepare for she and her son. And after that, they give up on life. There's no food anywhere. They will die. In the midst of her circumstances, having her last meal after which you have no more and die, God commands her to take care of a prophet. I wonder what you would do if you were in the woman's shoes. Your parents don't have money, you know. The borders are not here, so let me talk to the day students. Your mom has given you, uh, gives you five CDs every day to take to school. And at that time, look, your mom too was broke. COVID, no COVID has made people's salaries half and so on. Some people, they have even lost their jobs. And that morning, your mom gave you only one CD. I'm sure when you were leaving the house, you, in your head, ah, mommy, how can I survive on one city? That is all she has. And you have been in chapel. Biju has been telling you to stay in God's presence, do your quiet time, listen to God's voice and obey it. Be led by his word. And you are trying hard to do that. And then you go to school. And then you hear God's voice and you know this is God's voice. And God tells you. Do you see that girl in the choir? Lois, do you know her? Uh-huh. Go and give your one CD to her. Kai, this one there, God, is not you. I lie. This cannot be God. God, my last CD. No, 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 no. I won't. I can't. I know you speak to him, but this one is not you. Interestingly, 
Elijah added and said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. You see, the ways of God, I mean, there's a way you cannot understand. The woman was facing reality. This is the last meal for me and my son, and I will die. Elijah didn't discount that, yes, I know this is your last meal, but don't be afraid. Go and prepare it just like how you said you were going to do. But then, make me a small cake first. What a wicked prophet. A widow's last meal for herself and her son. And she has told you this is our last food. When we eat it, we are going to die. And then you are telling me that small food, as you, you, you even say we should share it. Give me first. When the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that other people run after, they will chase you. We don't seem to understand. God willing, next week, I'll, I'll share with you some thoughts about how God moves in these dimensions. Make me a small cake first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Because that says the God of Israel, the bean of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run out until the day God sends rain on the earth. You see, he had a prophetic word for this woman. This woman had lived in the presence of God. And God primarily sent him there to take care of the woman and the child until the drought was over. Knowing very well that that was the last meal they had to eat and they would die. But when she was willing to do as the prophet said, then the word came to her. I tell you of the truth. As long as this, our God lives, that small flower you are talking about that you say you are going to do a small cake for you and your child and you die, that flower shall not be exhausted. That flower shall supernaturally be sustained. The little oil shall never be exhausted. Until the drought is over, you will be sustained by that same flower and that same small oil. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. You see, again, we are, we are, you see, we read about the word of Elijah, but was it the word of Elijah? Elijah himself said, that says the Lord. These are the words of God. But the Bible says the woman went and did according to the words of Elijah. So she and her household and of course, Elijah, we, we, we don't read that one in the scripture. But God says, the widow will take off Elijah. So, she and her son and Elijah, they ate. The flour was not used up. The jar of oil did not dry. According to the word of the Lord, which Elijah spoke, it was so, it happened. This is one of the stories 
that Jesus referred to in Luke chapter 4. This woman, the widow of Zarephath, was not the only widow. There were several widows. But the Bible says God sent Elijah to just this one widow. Maybe you may ask, God, you are being impartial. You are being impartial. Why didn't you take care of all the other widows? God, why is it that it's only Uncle George that you bless? There are plenty of facilitators here, but why are you always blessing Uncle George? I use Lois as a as a girl in school. So why are you always blessing Lois? Every day you are blessing her. Why? You give her a nice voice. You give her a nice body. You give her nice friends. But me alone, I don't have any other. Why? Jesus says, there were many widows. But it was to only one that Elijah was sent. And it was to only one that God sent a specific word. That that little thing you have, it shall not be consumed. Until the days of trouble are over. Sometimes you ask yourself, God, why did you give Uncle Bethmore that testimony? Why don't you give me also? Michael also shared with us some time ago how he also experienced something similar. God, why is it you only give some people this type of testimonies? Why not me? That is the message that I bring to us this morning. If you will learn to be led by the word of God, that means you must read his word. You must know what his word says. His word must be in your mouth. His word must be living in your mouth. The word must be in your heart. You must believe it. You must meditate on it. You must think about it all the time. When trouble comes, the first thing that should come to your mind is God's word. And you must live by what you call the Rima word. You see, there are some, there are some words that come from God which you will not find in the Bible. We call it the Rima. It's like the spoken word of God in a situation. Your situation may not be directly written in the Bible, but God has a way of dealing with that. And when you spend time in his presence, when you walk with him, he will speak to you and he will show you what to do. He will tell you this is the way, walk in it. You may not see how this will end, but he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the trouble ahead before it starts. And he knows how to walk with you through the trouble until the time of deliverance. Sometimes miracles don't just happen. They happen when we stay in his presence. And we know that this God lives. You know that he lives. And you hold on to his word, you believe it. And you are willing to lay down your life on that word. That is the only way you can be led by God. And that is the way to walk in the supernatural. And that is the way you can be confident to tell your friends that Jesus saves. Hell is real. 
death comes at any moment. That's what the scripture says. And after death is judgment. If you die now, how will you be judged? You can confidently tell this to your friends and tell them there was a time that I too was lost. There was a time I was confused. There was a time that I was afraid of all kinds of things. But I heard the voice of Jesus. I heard his word. And I surrendered my life to him. And he made my life new. Now I am led by his word. I follow his word. What he tells me to do, that is what I do. Until you learn to stay in his presence. For him to minister to you. You cannot minister to others that way. It's not about coming to sing. It's not about being an usher. Those things are nice. It's not about being an intercessor. It's good. It's not about being a facilitator. It's good. But out of your death of love for God, out of your love for him, you spend time with him. And he makes you more like him. And then he gives you an assignment and says, go tell the world. And you go with this assurance and with this hope, not caring what will happen to you, what people will say about you, even if it means that you are going to die, you are bold to do it. And that's all it means to be led by the word of God. That is what it means to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And that is what it means to be a disciple. Remember, Jesus said, there were many widows, but it was only to the widow of Zarephath that the prophet Elijah was sent. Shall we pray? Where we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way while we do His good will. He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word what a glory he sheds on our way while we do his good will he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus. Trust 
trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word what a glory he sheds on our way while we do his good will he abides with us still and with all Trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Trust and obey For there's no other way To be happy in Jesus But to trust and obey There's no other way to walk with God except by trusting him. Believing what he says and doing it. Sometimes it's hard to believe but make the attempt to believe. What we need to do is to repent, make up our mind the Lord I have not believed in you. I have not been trusting you. I want to trust you. I choose to trust you. I make up my mind to trust you. Grant me grace to believe your word. Grant me grace to stay in your word and to read it. And to read it. And to read it. And to think about it. And to do what it says. That I may be led by your word and led by you. For you know the way. I've never been this way before but you know the way. My heart follows hard after you, Lord. I choose to trust you. I choose to follow you. I choose to be led by you. Oh God, oh God, send me back to my first love. When I love with all my heart, when I easily open up to you and came to you confessing my sins, and came to living my own life before you at the cross of Calvary. Lord, take me back. Take me back to those times, Lord. Oh God, I may share you with others.
nobody can believe God for you. I can believe God for myself. But you have to believe God for yourself. The widow at Zarephath had to believe God. She had to dare to trust God and to lay her whole future on what the prophet said. Elijah had to learn to trust God. Step by step, each moment of the way, he had to trust God to boldly declare his word. Retaunda laba dazike lina atarama shuna aibkurukana adiriyamadura apa aida sanda atabadori libro zali apadi ala asaya. And it shall be that those who hold onto my word and hold onto me and look up to me, I will look upon them. I will gaze upon their lives and they will gaze upon me and we shall walk this road together. I don't promise you what you think in your mind. But that which I promise you, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will hold you by my hand and I will lead you on. I will lead you on. I will lead you on. If I live, I live for you. If I die, my life is in your hand. I lay my life before you. Trust you with all my heart. I will live for you. I will work for you. I will love you with all my heart. All the days of my life, I will serve you. You will always be my first love. And I will always love you with all the depths of my heart. I will follow you. I will go where you lead. Wherever you lead me, I will follow. 
wherever you take me I will go I know that you will hold me you provide for me you protect me you sustain me and we shall walk this life together led by your word alire belelele besite zikalusa laisa talia desede ratirio do set de libra zuzelinda satanaba stada la makatose la prakatose teria dele satanano robolo bosuzalie dele besendo ikabata dala masanta taria dele beshendi dio do seba baria dala batani anda sadire adoze patetetetetara makata aprakataria da santa taria dele besida adosha apa Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, 